What's up, my confidence queens? Are you ready to feel confident as fuck? I'm your host, the confidence queen herself, Alicia Lechuga, and I am your confidence bestie. I went from trying to shrink my body in order to find happiness and approval to finally letting go of dieting, others' opinions, and inspiring hundreds of women along the way. This podcast is all about confidence, living unapologetically as yourself daily, and ultimate self-love. This is Confident as Fuck. Okay, welcome back to Confident as Fuck. We are here with Emma. I'm so excited. We'll right-hand glam. Emma, we're excited to have you on today. Thank you for joining us on Confident as Fuck. Emma, let me introduce you to... Let me... What the fuck? I said this podcast was going to be relaxed, and I'm obviously not super relaxed. So let me introduce (laughs) you guys to her. Uh, Emma, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Emma... It's because it's the end of the day. It is. Well, it's actually only midday for me here. (laughs) So I don't really have that excuse. Time zones are fake. Time zones are fake. They are. They are. Okay. Emma is the CEO of Right Hand Glam, which is an engagement agency. She's using data-driven strategies to support scaling service providers and coaches and organically growing their following and increasing brand awareness, ultimately converting conversations into cash over the past three years. So Let's break it down. Let's actually get into it and dissect what all of that means. So welcome to the podcast, first and foremost. Thank you so much for joining me. I am thrilled to be here. I am loving the fact that I get to be my full potty mouth self. Yes. Um, One of the things that instantly attracted me to this podcast was the name. And I love when women have a dirty ass mouth in this industry. So (laughs) you're my kind of girl. People sometimes still ask me if they can curse on the podcast. The answer is yes, obviously, always. But (laughs) it's just always hilarious to me. I'm like, the podcast is called confident as fuck. Like, yes, you can cuss. This is why my high school, I'm convinced I've applied like a million times to go back and speak at my all girls high school because they have like a lot of different women who are entrepreneurs that have gone back. I have yet to get an invite. And I think it's because they go on my page and they see that I say fuck all the time. But whatever, they're lost because I'm not going to say fuck in front of them, but come hang out in line and I will. (laughs) Let's break it down. Let's get get down and dirty with it. So tell me. The easiest way to explain what I do and how I explain it to like the average Joe and Jane in my life is that I log into my clients' accounts every day. I pretend to be them and I sell their shit. So we are essentially a driving sales force for our clients. We are building the relationships that they don't have time to build. Some people, you know, very simply describe us as their sales team. Some people will say we're a form of a social media manager. And then some people are like, well, how is that all ethical? Like you're pretending to be someone. Well, one, if it wasn't ethical, people wouldn't be buying it and wouldn't be so interested in it and wouldn't also be learning how to do it to build their own businesses. But a lot of people don't want to have this really personal relationship with their clients. I think early on in our businesses, we tend to want to be super involved and know everything about our clients. But I mean, after three and a half years, I'm like, you're here, you're going to be friendly with your strategist, but we don't need to be besties. And a lot of our clients are folks who have, you know, one-off offers or as I call rolling admissions offers. So we see a lot of VIP days and we see a lot of retainers and no one really like is 
is into being their client's best friend. You know, they're very into their boundaries, which I love because I'm very into my boundaries and I think we all need to be better about our boundaries. Um, so if you're someone who has been giving a thousand percent into all of your client relationships and it's draining you, engagement might be a great move for you because it takes you a step out of the equation. And some of our clients really love that and they don't want to be involved at all. And they hand it off and they're like, you do the talking. And if you need anything, you call me in. And some of them love to be involved and we love tag teaming and we can make the process go along faster. You know, people ask me if we have like a secret formula that it's like, you say this, you say this, and that gets you the sale. No, it's different for every single client because every client that comes to us has different needs. The longer they're with us, those needs might change over time. Different launches come up, shifts happen. And and the conversations are very intuitive. There is not this formula to say like, you send this intro message and then you say a few things to get them talking and then boom, sale. It, it totally depends on the kind of approach your client wants to take and how they want to be perceived and the type of people you're talking to. Service providers, you gotta dance around a little bit. If I have a client that is a real estate agent, totally different story because we're just talking to normal people. So. Everyone's like, do you have case studies? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I'm like, no, because we don't operate like a normal agency that we could even have case studies because every client is different. And also none of our clients want people to know that they hired us. And I think people would be probably like pretty surprised to know how many people actually use either a service like you or a VA that yes. does this for them. Yes. I was very surprised to know that, but almost I would say I would venture to reach at like 70% of my friends who are coaches or are building a business that's off the ground level use a service or a VA to do yes. exactly what you're talking about. Yes. We have we serve roughly 25 to 30 people a month that and you know some of them have been with us nine months a year some of us some of them have been with us four months we see most people staying four to nine months depends on you know if they're launching what their needs are like I said but yeah, a lot of people do use a service like this. I have one of my favorite things to do is when I go in and I guest speak in a client's either like coaching container or a workshop or whatever. And I'm like, guess how you all got here? It was me. You were talking to me the whole time. And of course, that's only if the client is actually comfortable with me saying that. But the look of shock on people's faces because we never get caught. I think that's the biggest misconception about it. And people are always like, well, what if you don't sound like me? And I'm like, that's actually the complaint that I get the least. Not that I get a lot of complaints, bad wording, but you know what I mean? <laughs> um, we don't often have people say that. Honestly, we have people that will pop into their Slack channel and they'll be like, I did a double take because I thought I sent that. And I was really racking my brain for when I sent that. And then I realized, no, it wasn't me. It was you guys, which is so rewarding for us to be like, yeah, we're damn good at our job. Like you didn't even know if you sent that or not. But yeah, it's one of my favorite games to play is, is there an engagement strategist on the other side of it? And I mean, you can't bullshit a bullshitter, so I can sniff them out. But it's definitely something that I think people are becoming more aware of. But it just depends on whether or not your engagement strategist is good enough to not get caught. Yeah, totally. And I think there's a total difference between like an engagement strategist, like what you're talking about versus hiring a VA and trying to get them to like find your voice definitely very hard. So I think somebody who's in that world and knows what they're doing is a huge, a great investment to make for people who are growing. And like you said, maybe somebody who's overwhelmed with the amount of DMs and doesn't want to be super close to all their clients and wants like that boundary. Definitely, definitely. 
It's also great too for a lot of our clients are introverts, probably not talking at all. And it's great for those people who just don't have the energy to want to be on social media. We, of course, have a lot of moms who don't have enough time in the day to be on social media. And, you know, Adam Masseri himself has said it, the DMs are where shit happens. And so we try to explain engagement in two different ways. There's engagement as a noun and there's engagement as a verb. And engagement as a noun is your likes, your comments, your story replies, your insights, those numbers that you get each week that you look at. But engagement as a verb is what we do. It's the act of very literally engaging with other people and building relationships with them. And, you know, we're doing it every day, all of us, without even really thinking strategically about it. But when you bring an engagement strategist on, they are thinking strategically about it. And they're looking at different angles of ways that you can create multiple touch points. And the easiest way that I explain it to people is that we're just simply using Instagram as a medium. You know, I have a client that we're wrapping up a launch right now. And she was like, I had 7,000 people on the email list just for this one offer. And now we're going through all of that data and have to strategically follow up and figure out how we're going to increase those touch points and close those sales. So it's just about where your people are hanging out. And for some people that is their email list, some people that's Facebook, some people that's Instagram, some people that's LinkedIn. We primarily focus on LinkedIn and Instagram, but there's a gold mine there. And if you are not leveraging your DMs, if you are not talking to people, you are leaving money on the table. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. The DMs are where it's at. I love DMs. I actually saw I a post too. of yours talking about, which I thought was so interesting, like a video message post <gasps> talking about people sending video messages. The videos. That is, I have to agree with you on this. Basically for you guys who haven't seen this post of hers, I highly recommend going and looking at it, but I was talking about people sending video messages, like as if we just started DMing and then I sent you a video message right away. And I love how you compared it to like somebody going on a first date and then FaceTiming you the next day. And it's like, it's what's weird up? as shit. That was it's one of my weird. favorite analogies. I, Cause I always say that, that engagement is like online dating because I think that's so relatable for so many of us. And yeah, like that'd be fucking weird, right? Like you don't want the guy that you hooked up with last night fucking FaceTiming you in the morning if you didn't stay over. Weird shit. No. So it's like the same thing here. You know, you don't even a voice message that early on is a little weird unless you're like, hold up, this is long. I'm driving my car. Let me send you a voice message. I think, you know, consent is so key here. And so often video messages are sent without consent. I think it's an old icky bro marketing tactic. I used to be involved with like a networking organization that they sent instead of an intro message, they sent an intro video. And it was the weirdest thing because they did not live in the same place, the two women that hosted it. So you're like, I know that this is not personalized. Like, cause when you send those kinds of videos, you're trying to come off as personalized. But when the facts are literally available that you do not live in the same place, like it just becomes so disingenuous. And we are much smarter consumers than we've ever been. And we can sniff out the bullshit. So don't set yourself up for failure and be sending weird video messages. Yeah. I don't know. I've only gotten one of those. And it's actually from someone I've worked with before multiple times. But even somebody I've worked with, right? Someone I've hired, I was like, this is weird. This seems like a generalized video message, even though it was personalized to me. 
hey, Alicia, I want you to blah, 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 blah. I was like, this is strange. Like, this is fucking off-putting, I think is what you said in your post too. And I was like, yeah, this is fucking weird. <laughs> I don't, I don't like it. People don't even like voice messages. Again, that's why I think consent is so key in asking people what they're comfortable with, but you know, taking it to a video, that's weird. It's weird. It And it, you know, some people don't even like showing their faces on their own Instagram accounts. So imagine how invasive it is when you come into their DMs and you send them your face. Weird. Yeah, totally. It's like, know your audience too. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially like, I know that a lot of introverts follow us because we are so extroverted and I'm sure you have this, it's not even an issue, but I'm sorry, you, you see this as well. And you know, they're following you to draw inspiration from you. But those are the kinds of people that you have to bring the party to, as I like to say. I think that's the core of engagement. You're bringing the party to the people, but you have to do it in a way where you are meeting them where you're at and they are barely able to handle a text DM. So if you're jumping right to a video, like it's a lost cause. I had a conversation with a client over the weekend where we were talking about the structure of messages. And she was like, if I got this kind of message, I would feel really icky and I would go right for the block button. And I was like, that is something to note because we all perceive things differently. And I, you know, was looking at the message and I was like, if I had gotten it, I wouldn't have gone for the block button. I would have kind of fucked around and found out before I hit the block button. But you have to be aware that different people perceive things differently. And the general consensus when the basis of that post came from a conversation inside my academy and someone was like, hey, like my client wants to be sending these. And four different people were like, absolutely not. I would block immediately. And I was like, well, there you go. If you have four trained engagement strategists saying, don't fucking do this, don't fucking do it. Yeah, 100%. Let's do a little weekly fave. I have not done this. You guys know this. I haven't done this in a few weeks. Well, I guess I did. Anyways, whatever. Let's do a weekly fave and something you did this week that made you feel confident. So whatever you want to go first with, something you're loving this week. Yes. Let's do weekly fave. So I got these hobnail mugs off of Amazon that just make me feel so... They're like... It's hard to explain. I don't. I don't know if this is going to be a video too, but I'll show you. There. Oh like, yes, these are so it, cute. Yeah, it has the like bumps on them, and they're glass. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes they're in a design, and so I bought them off of Amazon. And my not so secret coffee hack that I've shared is I buy the cold brew at the Starbucks cold brew at the grocery store. It's like seven dollars, and then I buy a flavored creamer that lasts me three weeks. The coffee lasts me four days. I've done all the math, and so. It, it's it's just a money mindset thing that I think is important to share here that like we see it at the grocery store and we're like, oh my God, $7. But then when you go to Starbucks and your drink is $7, you're like, eh, whatever, only $7. Hello, Sh- what? Shift your mindset there. So what I love doing in the morning, I also bought the, the round ice. And so it makes my morning coffee so luxurious. So I get my little hobnail mug and I put my round ice in it and my Starbucks cold brew. And I've been using amaretto flavored creamer recently. Oh. And that has been like the wonderful start to my day. So that's my weekly favorite for sure. And then what made me feel confident this week? I have been leaning into wearing pink a lot. And this was pre-Barbie, but Barbie has only made it worse in the best way. And over the weekend, I was co-chairing a fundraiser and every, I knew everybody was going to be in like black or dark colors. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to wear my hot pink 
Barbie slit cocktail dress. And every time I walked on stage, everyone was like, hi, Barbie. So (laughs) what made me feel super confident this week is wearing my hot pink Barbie dress. And I'm wearing pink again today. And I have been telling a lot of people because they've been like, you've been looking really good in pink. And I'm like, yeah, it's because for so long I wanted to be palatable because I have such a big personality. So I think I toned down my wardrobe. And now I'm like, no, pink is my calling. I'm changing my entire wardrobe to pink. That is so interesting that you like correlated toning your wardrobe down with like toning your personality or your whole aura down too. I feel like so many people do this. My sister says this all the time. She's like, I'm a lot. I'm a lot. I'm a lot. I'm like, who cares? Like we are a lot and that's the best thing about us. And amen. we might actually not be a lot. Like we might actually not be a lot to a lot of people. It might be a breath of fresh air. So I love that. I love that your favorite is pink inspired because I mean, what else could be so on brand for us? Both of us. I know. Right. And I think people actually are inspired by it. I know people are because I've had people say to me, like, I'm so grateful that you are so loud and proud about, you know, your journey, where you've come from, where you plan to go, the things that you go through and why you're so transparent about it. And I always say, well, someone, you know, someone has to do it. And if I'm the one that's the most comfortable to do it, cool. Like, let's do it. Let's change lives in very small ways. You know, some, we, I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for the way our small corner of the internet can have the biggest impact on someone. Isn't that crazy, right? When I think about like our small corner of the internet and how much it can impact people, just us, like you said, like just living your life and just doing the thing and showing it. Isn't that such a great thing to feel that like somehow that touches somebody else and might inspire them to do something else or inspire them to wear something that's out of their comfort zone. That is such a gift that we get to use every single day. That's my favorite part of my whole job is just getting to inspire people without even really intentionally meaning to do that. Absolutely. I was engaging on behalf of a client because I never am engaging on behalf of myself because who has time for that? And someone was like, I think people's content is getting so boring with these like videos of them just like making coffee or whatever. And I let my a little bit of myself slip through and I was like, well, one, this kind of content creation is very accessible for people, especially moms, um, anybody with a busy schedule, anybody who is wearing multiple hats, which is most of us, especially people who are still solopreneurs and don't have a team, that kind of content is easy and accessible. But also it's those little things that do really inspire other people. I mean, like the other day I posted like my, like literally just my outfit. And so many people were like, I just love that. I love that you so confidently shared what you looked like today and gassed yourself up. And that, you know, inspires me to want to go put on a cute outfit that maybe I would never feel comfortable wearing. Like it was the first time that I was wearing an outfit like that. And I was like, whew, like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then I posted it and so many people were so supportive of it. And like, you just, you just never know I always say to people in in training people to be engaged in strategists, like one DM can change your life. One DM can change the whole game. And I think it also applies to any post, any story, like one can change the whole game. And if we take it a further step to talk about sales, that one little thing could be what converts someone. I had someone a while back say that my sharing my political values 
was actually what convinced her to work with me that she was like choosing between two engagement strategists. And then I shared something about my beliefs and she was like, I'm sold. I'm done. That's what I needed. And she put that in her intake form. And I was like, there it is right there. Proof is in the pudding that all you need to do is actually say what you give a fuck about and it will resonate with people. Yes. I am like so on this train right now because I'm actually at like a weird point in my business where I'm like taking a break and I'm kind of just like focusing on like what truly matters after we lost Mm. my husband's father. Just like it puts everything in perspective, right? Absolutely. And I'm like, I just kind of want to say what I'm feeling and I'm feeling this. And I just, I just had my call with my coach right now. And I was like, just kind of dumping of what I was actually feeling and like, what's important to me. And she was like, this is what you need to say. This is what you need to say. Cause then I was like, well, how do I like conceptualize it for people? And like, how do I put it into like this offer and package it? Right. And she was like, no, you just need to say this. Like, that's all you need to do because it comes through so clear when you say it like this versus trying to complicate it and do all these things. And I think it's beautiful that we're talking about that because it's, um, it's what people actually want. You know, we're talking about authenticity and like, we're, like you said, we're such a smart consumer now that any inauthenticity is very easily seen. So just being authentic, being yourself is like so easy and well, not so easy, but so resonating. I mean, abs- I, I, I see it every single day, like, cause this is what I do every single day. That is what sells you over someone else. I all the time will go to pitch people on behalf of clients and they're like, listen, I really want to work with you normally as we all get. It's the objection is it's not in the budget right now. You know, it's on my wish list. It's on my, my vision board, blah, blah, blah. But they will always take it a step further and comment on the branding or the type of content or the words that they use and why that has drawn them in and why that has put them on the vision board or the dream investment list. So just know that even if you are not getting a lot of that noun engagement, those likes, those comments, that people are watching at all times. I have a theater background and we say that, you know, you're always auditioning because you never know who's going to be directing something. You never know, you know, what one of your cast members is going to say. Everybody knows everybody. And I think it's it's sort of like the same thing in our industry where you're kind of always auditioning because people are always looking at you. And even if you think they're not because they didn't throw a like or they didn't comment, they're seeing it and they are taking it in. And if they resonate with you, they're going to keep coming back. It's really interesting to see how worked up people get over likes and comments. And I'm like, well, are you in your DMs? And they're like, no. And I'm like, that's that's why nothing is happening right now because you need to talk to your people and they need to get a sense of who you are past a curated post, especially because some people use a social media manager, right? Like your content isn't always coming directly from you. So if you really want to connect with someone, if you really want to get into it with someone, take it to the DMs. That's how you should vet someone. I think DMs are even more powerful than sales calls, discovery calls, whatever kind of calls that you do, because you get, I think, the most raw and stripped down version of someone in the DMs because there's no time to prep. It's just happening as it's happening. Like even with a sales or discovery call, you have time to prep and you are showing up in a certain way. When you are in the DMs, 
it's just you and you're just doing your thing. And I have found like, I don't really even do sales and discovery calls anymore. I do it all in the DMs because I want to be realistic with people. I also want to set the boundary of like, I don't have a lot of time. And also I know you don't have a lot of time. Either of us putting something else on our calendars is going to give one of us a panic attack. So let's just talk about it here. And you, I found that people are so much more open in the DMs versus what they might be on a sales call. And I don't know what it is about that face-to-face, but they're, and you know, I guess actually you could flip this and talk about keyboard warriors and how people aren't afraid to say things when they hide behind a screen. But in this case, it's actually a good thing. It's almost like the screen empowers people to say their most authentic thoughts. And like when you get on a sales call, you know what the fuck you're getting on. Like as a- exactly as a consumer, you know, like a sales call is a sales call, even a discovery call or like a random like connection call. Like, you know what you're getting on the call for. We all know like it's to be sold or to be talked to about how your offer can help. Right. Like we know what that's going to be. So even as the consumer, we're like prepped into like, I know I'm going to say yes, or I know I'm already going to say no or I'm unsure, like, you know, what's your feelings are going into it. But I love that right. you use that, that the DMs are really like a stripped down version. Cause I do definitely agree. There's so much more room for flexibility for both ends. You know, there's, there's less pressure as the seller to feel like you have to close it, get that yes right now. And there's less pressure as the buyer to give that yes right now. Also, I say this a lot where think about how many times a day you open a message and or an email or you start listening to a podcast and then something else happens you know there's a there's a fire your phone rings you have a screaming child in the background and then you move away from things the beautiful thing about when those conversations are happening in the dms and then all of a sudden someone leaves you on red you can just start that up again whereas i have found that after sales or discovery calls people are much more likely to ghost in the DMs, they will gladly tell you to fuck off in a nice way. And I would rather tell you, tell have you tell me to fuck off in a nice way than just completely ghost me. So I am so open to doing it all in the DMs. And I always give people an option, but I've noticed more and more that people are opting for DM quote unquote sales calls versus putting something on a calendar. Yeah. Putting something on the calendar is like torturous. I'm looking at my calendar on this screen and it's full. Like it's always full and I'm on a break in my business and it's still right. fucking full. Like our calendars. Are I hate full when I have like two calls in a day, you know, that's why like I have no problem keeping my phone open. I mean, I'm on my phone the, the whole time because that's how I have to actually do my job. Um, but like keeping Instagram open on my desktop and be like sending voice messages as I'm working. I love a good little multitasking moment. Um, everything I do, I multitask. Um, but it's so much easier and things move so much quicker. Whereas like with a sales and discovery call, you have to like go through the whole dance of like submitting the inquiry and then you have to actually get them to book the call and then you get on the call and then you got to wait till they decide, like just get it done in the DMs, just have the conversation. Yeah. Um, okay. So as we were like prepping for this podcast or our little five second prep of like, here's what's going to go down on the podcast. You were saying that it kind of gets repetitive when we do multiple podcasts as the yes. interviewee, right? So let's switch it up. Instead of talking about my normal question, which would be, how did you get into this business? Let's switch it up. Let's talk about your personal stuff. What is going on with you personally 
and give us oh. like a personal background of you because I think that's more I fun and more interesting. I love this. Well, I'm getting married, which Yay. is still crazy to say. Um, we just signed the contract over the weekend for our venue. So October 12th, 2024, which is so exciting. We are, we're originally going to do May 2025. And then I realized up oh, again, I'm being palatable. I was making all of these excuses about how doing a 2024 wedding was not convenient for people in my life. And I was like, well, fuck that. It's my day. It's our day. And I'm going to do what's convenient for us and what we're excited about. And we kept talking about October and I was like, screw it. Like, let's do October. And then they had the date we wanted and the venue is everything we could want in a venue. It's like if a winery and a barn and an English manor had a baby, like that's this venue, which is everything we love. Um, so I'm so thrilled about that. I am going to be traveling for most of Q4. So first weekend of October, I'm in LA for a work trip for, I loosely call it our second company. Um, we are partnering with our clients who run a Philadelphia Eagles podcast and they are flipping it into a travel company and we are a part of that. And so we're heading to LA for a long weekend for an Eagles game and we're doing like Malibu Beach Blast, the whole nine yards. I'm so excited. And then I am actually taking my full-time employee, Chloe, to London for a week and we're going to be working from London and our team member that's in France is with us for half the time. And then we have our big retreat that we are hosting in Austin at the beginning of November. And then in December, I'm heading to Germany and Austria for a week for a group trip to go do Christmas markets. And then and the only other, not the only, I mean, it's been, it's a lot. <laughs> the only other big thing after that is um, I'm actually directing for the first time in the spring a musical. So I am so thrilled. It's going to be telling everybody, I'm like, October 1st starts the craziest year of my life and it's going to be a marathon. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but that's what crying breaks are for. And that's what uh, Visceral is for. And that's what a nice glass of wine at the end of the day is for. That's very true. I feel like, you know, thriving in busyness is a real thing. And oh, I love being busy. I think being busy, like it has its time. It has its place. It has its era. And a lot of times that's where the best stuff comes from. I think the slow times are good too, right? Like it's a different season, but Sometimes being busy, I look back at like my past year and I'm like, holy shit. I was looking back through these photos for Renee's dad's funeral slideshow. And I was looking back through all these photos of the last year. And even with his dad being sick and us being like very, very involved in his treatments, I was like, holy shit, we did so fucking much even in that year. And it was like, it didn't feel like a lot. Like it, yeah. it did at times, but it was like, we we're going and going and thriving and moving, you know? And I think that's why I'm now, I'm now in a season where I'm like, okay, I need to relax for a second. But those times sometimes are the most exciting and you can get so much done. Like we are able to do so much more than I think we conceptualize, like looking at it on paper, yes. like we're talking about our calendar, right? Sometimes we're like, holy shit, this is too much. But when you get in that groove and you keep going and you go, it's a good feeling. So I think I'm it's so also for you. Thank you. I'm so excited. I think it's also so easy to forget all of the in-between wonderful, beautiful things. I know that like 
I, at the end of every year, go back and I look at, because of our Instagram is our highlight reel. I always go back to my Instagram, my personal Instagram. And I start at the top of the year and I go through and I look at all of the posts of all of the things that I did. And I'm like, holy shit, I forgot I did that. Like there are so many cool things that I think that we write off because they're not huge, but sometimes it's those little things that have the biggest impact on our life and bring us the most joy. I know last year was such a big year for me because I really jumped into solo travel and I was out of the country. I think it was like 25 days last year. And three of those weeks I was I was solo and it was such an incredible experience and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And it that taught me a lot about myself and I think really set me up for success this year and I It's like, you know, if I did those things, if I could go to foreign countries by myself and make my way, then I can fucking do anything. And so I think this year with so many major milestones, I mean, we bought a house, we got engaged, we got a dog and, you know, they're just going to keep coming. I think it's going to be a good one to look back on. But I think it's also important to do that in your business and remember all of the really fun and cool things you did because it's so easy to get caught up in the numbers and the launches and the imposter syndrome, but like take a breather and you know, after you listen to this podcast episode, like go scroll back through your Instagram or through, you know, the podcast episodes you recorded or through things that you posted and just take a moment to remember and celebrate all of the really dope shit that you did. Not just the shit that made you money, but the shit that just made you a better person. Yep. Yep. The shit that we do like in our real life too, you know, like outside of our business and like the business milestones are so fun. But I think like you're saying, we adapt so quickly as humans that we're like, oh, like now I'm making 10K a month, 20K a month, 25. So you're always reaching for that bigger and better milestone that you almost Mm -hmm. forget sometimes like, holy shit, I hit my biggest months three times this year. And now I'm just reaching for the next. Right. And it's like, we have to remember these big, big, or like even small, big moments that happen throughout not only just our year, but month, lifetime. Yeah. I actually just did a podcast with um, my husband, the first one we ever did together. And it was kind of cool, like looking back and thinking like, holy shit, I forgot that we started our business together almost 10 years ago. And that's literally insane. Incredible. Like, it's just insane thinking that, like even thinking back to like how we used to like even communicate about money or communicate about anything, you know, until we started our business, we had to communicate a lot fucking more. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's cool looking back on those things and then remembering like the growth. And I think that's really important. I love that you mentioned communication and growth milestones because I think that those are the things that get written off the quickest and first. And, you know, if I think I, we've had so many communication milestones to my fiance and I, and it has made us better people. I, I got back into therapy a few months ago and I said, you know, despite all of the drama and the craziness that comes with planning a wedding, one of the best things to come out of all of this has been we are so much better at communicating and making sure that we are holding space for each other's communication styles because we are such different communicators and we do really have such different needs, very different love languages, all of the things we are just polar opposites. And sometimes that comes out of you know really intense growing pains and hard conversations and hard moments, but that's how you end up 
as the best version of yourself and every pun intended confident as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Communication is fucking hard. That's like our biggest, like in our, even in our astrological chart, that's our worst quality together is communicating with my husband. And I'm like, it's, you know, growing a business, you have to get better at communicating or in your case, right? Like planning a wedding, like those big things where you're like, fuck, we have to communicate better. Like sometimes come with hard conversations. I know there's been plenty that we've had that are hard, but communication is like when that flourishes and when that grows and you get better at doing it, fuck, that's such a good feeling. That's oh, it's such so, a good feeling. So good. And you can go to bed each night knowing that you did the best for your partner and for yourself. And I think it it bleeds into every other part of your life. I think when you're a great communicator with your partner, you can be a great communicator with everyone because I think that's one of the hardest relationships to grow and maintain. You're in each other's faces all day. You start and end the day with each other. And that can really set the tone for your daily life. And so when you can communicate well with that person, I think it changes everything about how you perceive other people and how other people perceive you. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think, you know, that's the person you're spending the most time with. So like, I don't even want to spend all that time with anyone else. I mean, I can't even imagine spending that much time with like my sister, my best friend, like Jesus Christ, I might rip their head (laughs) off. You know, I love them, but like, I don't want to spend that much time with them. So if you think about like how close you are to that person, your communication has to be good or else you're having a lot of like residual feelings, both parties included. So I love that. What did, have you picked out your wedding dress yet? So that was actually the very first thing I did because originally with it, the plan being May 2025, we couldn't book anything. No one was taking May 2025 bookings yet. Um, And so I was like, okay, I want to do something that makes me feel like I'm planning a wedding. So I did go get my dress and I... And and Luke knows this, and so I I'm allowed to tell this story. I'm a little bit batshit crazy if if you haven't picked up on that. So my mom had been talking forever about us like just randomly going and for fun trying on wedding dresses. So in January, I was not engaged yet. I had been telling her like, no, 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 we can't do that, we can't do that. And in January one day, I texted her and I said, fuck it, do you want to go? And so we went and we found a dress and we were like, oh my God, what did we just do? Like, this is insane. <laughs> and so I I thought I had my dress. That was the thing. And then we went a second time after I got engaged at a more reasonable date. It was like at the end of June, we got engaged in April and I tried on the dress and I was like, okay, I love this, but I don't know if it's the one. And then I tried on a few more and we ended up finding one that was absolutely the one and I ended up buying that one. So it is in my grandmother's closet, which I love because that was where my mom's was too. So we have this like now wonderful tradition of hiding the dress in my grandmother's closet. And I'm just, I'm so excited about it. And I have my headpiece. I did order shoes. I'm wearing sneakers for my wedding because why the fuck would I wear heels all day when you're not going to see them? But they canceled the shoes because apparently they were out of stock and they did not put that on the website. So I need Betsy Johnson to get their shit together so I can get my shoes. But yeah, it's such a surreal feeling trying on wedding dresses. Isn't it? It's so weird. 
And I grew up as one of those girls that like I watched Say Yes to the Dress all the time. Like always dreamed about having a big white wedding. I had a wedding Pinterest board when I was in like middle school. And when you get to try on those dresses for the first time and it's real and you were the type of girl, I, there's something just so special about it. I didn't really cry, which I was shocked about. I think because at that time it was still May 2025, so it didn't feel real. So I think if I went back now and I tried it on, I'd probably cry. And I think the next time I put it on, I will. Like I, when we signed the contract the other night, I was bawling. And my fans were like, why are you crying? I was like, cause it's real. And like, we have a day and it's happening like 412 days. And he was like, you're so cute, bud. Like, I'm so, I'm so happy too, but like, this is so cute. Like, it's all good. It's all good. And I was like, I know, but it's real. I know I, my wedding story is really crazy, but we got, we decided to get married in a month. And so we got married <gasps> super bless. quick and, um, and ended up being like a pretty decent sized wedding for planning it in a month. But I don't think I had time to, like you said, like it didn't feel real. Like it mm-hmm. felt real. I had a dress, like I bought an actual wedding dress, which like, I didn't think I would. I thought I would just buy like a, I thought I would wear like a red or a black dress or like a sequin dress. I don't know. But when I tried on real real wedding dresses, I was like, okay, it's real. But then when I got to the, I cried from the point that I literally got into the limo. Like as soon as I saw my sister-in-law, I fucking was crying. Then I got to the altar. I was fucking crying, walking down the aisle, like fucking all the photos. I'm fucking crying. I'm so concerned (laughs) about my makeup because I feel like I am such a crier. And if I'm crying when we sign the contract, I'm absolutely going to cry. And my fiance is such a smush, even though he won't like, like if you met him, you like wouldn't think that, but he very much is when it comes to me. And so I know that he's going to be crying and I'm not going to be able to emotionally handle that. So I like might have to talk to my makeup person and be like, I might need you here all day and I will pay you whatever I need to pay you for that because (laughs) this is going to get ugly. Well, I have plenty of makeup artists actually in Philly that have been on the podcast. Oh, so I have two, um, maybe three, but I'll send them to you because um, they're amazing, both of them. But yeah, I I think that's because it like didn't feel real yet until I actually got there. And I was like, holy shit, this is actually like really happening. And I didn't know when this was going to happen because we had been together for a long time. But then we were like, OK, fuck it. Let's just do it instead of like planning this huge thing. And yeah, just it when it hits you. So maybe you won't cry because you have a lot of time to like prep and for it to see feel it real. feels like no time though that's the crazy thing like when well, I compared when to I, one month it's a lot of time. compared to one month I mean anything is time when I googled how many days and it said 412 I was like oh my god that feels like nothing and I'm I'm gone most of the rest of the year so it's gonna be a lot of it you know starting in January and my fiance is not great about being on other people's timelines. And I was like, you need to understand that every step of this, you are going to be on someone else's timeline and you're going to have to deal with it. He's like, I don't like that. I'm like, you figure it out. Go get a Xanax prescription if you need it. Like it's, this is not going to be about your choices right away. Like this is going to be about what we're told to do and what we're, you know, contractually obligated to do. Yeah. I always think like, I wonder if I plan like a huge wedding later obviously to my same, to my husband. <laughs> like if I have a second and third wedding, what would they be like? I'm not sure. But yeah, I want, I always wonder like, 
how long I would want to like plan it for because I never really wanted to plan a wedding after my sister. I watched my sister plan her wedding. Mm-hmm. My sister is younger than me. So she was like 20 when she planned her wedding. So she did everything like DIY. She did everything like herself. Holy shit. That was overwhelming as fuck. And I was like, I, in that moment, I was like, I'm never doing this. I'm never doing this. Oh my God. I We went to a wedding last summer in Maine and um, my fiance's family, they go on vacation there every summer and his cousin got married while we were up there and they were all like slinging boxes on boxes on boxes of beer into like a rowboat and like getting this tent up in a field and the bride is literally like making the thing that goes behind them on their i mean they got married outside so like not an actual altar but you know what i mean like drilling it on the lawn two days before the wedding i was like what like it could not be me I will not be making things two days before. I'll make things. I'm excited I to won't. get crafty, but I'm not making them two days before. No, dude. Yeah, I can't. I cannot handle all of that different things. I would like to think that when I do do a big wedding, maybe 20 years or 10 years, I don't fucking know, but I will not be making anything. I will be contracting everything <laughs> out to other people and <laughs> saying, I will have enough money to pay everyone to do everything so that I do not have to do that. Speak that into existence. I love that. I think the money is definitely the scariest part. Like we opened up, I was like, listen, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna open up a wedding credit card and everything for the wedding goes on there and nothing else goes on there. And he was like freaking out about that. And I was like, dude, like it's a lot of money up front and then you can pay as you go for a lot of the stuff. And then I, the interesting thing about a wedding, I think I was having this conversation with a friend of mine that did like a small wedding and is doing like a big party now later this year. We both were like, you end up making back whatever you put into the wedding most of the time, since most people end up giving you money. So I was like, you know, this is short-term pain. And then we should be able to pay a lot of it off after the wedding. You know, that's not going to be money that we're going to necessarily get to take home and, you know, go fuck around with, but like, we'll be able to pay off the credit card bill. And I'm okay with that. And he all the time is like freaking out. He's like, oh my God, this is going to cost so much money. I'm like, dude, it is what it is. Do you want a wedding? Yes. Do you want a wedding like this? Yes. I mean, if you want to go elope, we can hop on a plane to London and say bridal party and parents and grandparents only. But I, you said you didn't want to do that. So... We're going to do it big and, big and white. Big and white. <laughs> That's um also a really good way to keep track of how much you're spending on the wedding. Because I know yeah. that was like, even, even ours that was small, like it was still expensive, even just like food and alcohol. And I'm scared for food and alcohol. It's very expensive. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's even more expensive now, but it's a good way to keep track is to have it all in one card versus like paying here paying there like right this like yeah and i am not a conventional planner it's so funny because people all the time will ask me they'll be like who does your social content i'm like me and they're like do you plan it i'm like nope i wake up and whatever the lord says to post that day is what i post and it's kind of the approach i'm taking to the wedding i'm like i don't have a budget but i know when it's too much money and that's kind of going to be my temperature for the whole thing like i know what i don't want to spend And when I see a number, I will know if it's a yes or a no. 
I'm and I know that that would stress a lot of people out, but that's the way my brain works. I mean, I was co-chairing this fundraiser this weekend and I was like, oh, like we're going to do everything the day before in terms of the decorations. Like I'm just going to go. It was for a theater. And I was like, I'm going to go raid the prop closet and all of the furniture and we're going to do it all on the day before. And people were like, I was really worried that this wasn't going to work. And I was like, just process. You know, I was like, there's no explicit vision. There's the overview vision. And then we will fill it in as we go. And that is my approach to the wedding. I know what, you know, kind of idea and theme that I want. And it's just going to kind of be a process and you have to trust it. And that's like my approach to business and life in general. So if it works there, if it works for a multi six figure business, it should work for a wedding. And, you know, it's kind of like when you're saying that, it's like you have to also like when we get so specific on things like a vision, we get so specific on a vision. It makes it really hard for things to come exactly to that vision. Mm. Right. Because like, I'm just thinking in terms of tattoos, right? When I first got tattoos, I was like, oh my God, I know exactly what I want and I'm not going to deviate from this, right? But it doesn't allow for anything else to be creative around it. So instead, once I started getting more tattoos and realizing that they're never going to look exactly like exactly like what I envision, I just started letting the artist, like, here's what I have. Here's what I fucking think I want. And let me know what your thoughts are and show me what you got. And God, they came out so much fucking better. And you just have to like (laughs) release, like Chelsea says this all the time. You just have to release your fucking asshole a little bit. And like, know that it's not that fucking crucial if it's not exactly what you fucking pictured, because it may even come out better than what you thought. I think this is a great analogy for life too, because one of the things I always think about with tattoos or like when people say that they aren't ready to get a tattoo, I have five. And they're like, well, I don't like my body enough right now to get a tattoo. And one of the things I have learned through getting tattoos, and I'm sure you have too, is that you have to be prepared that your body will change and therefore how the tattoo looks will change over time. My first tattoo was a rib tattoo and that shit does not look like it does. It did the way that I got it (laughs) and it never will again. And that's that's just something you have to be okay with. And it's a good life lesson because things will always change. Things will always ebb and flow. And it's never going to look like the original vision. And if you are married to that original vision, you are not going to be able to keep moving forward. 100%. 100%. This is like with everything. Like when we started our business and when we were like, it was really hard for me to let go of like what I envisioned my day to look like or my week to look like or my month to look like, even down to like money coming in or like no money coming in, right? Like I did not, I could not grasp that concept that every fucking day is different. We have to like adjust on the fly, like everything changes. And once you like let go and allow that to be okay and just roll with it a little bit, makes things so much fucking easier and like that's the beautiful part about tattoos and like and business and life is that it gets to change it doesn't have to always look the same like that's part of the story is that it changes and i think that's one of the most beautiful things about entrepreneurship um my fiance is a finance bro And like, yes, his day-to-day obviously looks different because they're working with different companies. They have different deals that they manage. But every day he gets up, he goes to the same office with the same people and does the same thing. And I'm like, I could never 
I could never because my my favorite thing to do is pull money out of my ass. I tell people this all the time. I'm like, I when I want something, I will figure out a way to pull money out of my ass to get what I want. My I'm I'm a bag girly. Some people are shoe girlies. I'm a bag girly. And there was this Gucci bag that I wanted. And so I was like, I'm going to launch this thing and I need to sell this many and then I can pay for my Gucci bag. And I did. And I think that that is so fun that I can wake up one morning and be like, I want to do this today and I'm going to make money off of doing it, which is so fun. And I'm going to get to serve so many people, which is so fun. And if I did not have the freedom to do that, I would be an anxious fucking mess, first of all. And second of all, I would be bored out of my goddamn mind. Like I said to my coach a couple weeks ago, I was like, I don't want to wake up every day and have my life just be work and sleep. Like I need to figure out a better schedule that I can have more things in my life that serve me and light me up. And sometimes that is work. Sometimes that is throwing in like a cool pop-up offer that I'm really excited about that I know that people want that can bring in some extra cash. But sometimes that's just like waking up an hour earlier and being able to get all my work done by noon and then having the entire afternoon to read smut. Like there's so many beautiful things about the flexibility in entrepreneurship, whether it be from a money standpoint, a mindset step standpoint, or just, you know, a flexibility standpoint. You know, I always tell people to go back to their why. And normally why is some form of flexibility, whether that be flexibility with money, your time, your kids, to travel, whatever it is. Um, I think we forget that often, that we are all coming from that same place of wanting a more flexible life. And this provides you with that. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think forgetting the aspect of like why we started and why we do this business or why we, you know, embarked on this hard ass entrepreneur journey is like more flexibility or more openness or whatever your why is. And then remembering that and then integrating that into your life. That's a good, good place to be. And a fun place to be. Actually, I had to do the exact same thing last week. I was like, I am not doing anything. I feel like I'm not doing anything, but I feel like I'm so fucking busy. And my coach was like, are you leaving your house? I was like, no, no, I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm never leaving my house. I'm like on my computer or doing stuff for my house. Like I'm never leaving. And she's like, you need to get out like in the real world and do things. And that's such a weird thing to feel like as somebody who's an entrepreneur and somebody who can do whatever the fuck they want at all times, right? But your business is running and you're doing things, but you're like, oh, but I'm in my business. So I'm not actually using this goal that I had of having more time to do things during the day. Right. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's also one of the, to layer on the weirdness it's so isolating, even though you're surrounded by literally thousands of people every day, you know, like I am, I am talking to across all my clients and then my page, I'm literally talking sometimes to anywhere from 200 to a thousand people a day. For one client today, I talked to 203 people and that's a, that's a big number. That's a lot of people talk about, but I'm here alone in my office. And if we don't challenge ourselves to get out of the house, it's going to suck the fun out of it. And if you are not having fun in your business, what the fuck is the point of having your business? And if you aren't leaving room for other kinds of fun, I mean, look, like I, 
I definitely see my my business bleeds into my life. My life bleeds into my business. My brand is an extension of me. I am an extension of my brand. It all goes together. That's how it works. But if there are not boundaries and it is constantly being glued to the computer and to the phone, that can't be fun for any of us. And I hear from too many people that they're like, I'm working 60 to 70 hours a week right now. I had a conversation with a student of mine earlier today and she's like, but I don't have enough money to outsource. And I said, sounds fake because you once you outsource you'll be able to make more money because you'll be able to take on more clients because you'll have less hours on your plate and i'm like why would you want to stay in entrepreneurship if you're working 60 to 70 hours a week isn't that why you left the other thing like why are we back here yeah it's easy to get back there though it's so easy to get back there oh it's so easy to get back there we love our business right like it's our thing that's why we do it. But it's so easy to get back there. I, my husband deals with this too, even as someone who loves what he does. He talks about this. He talked about this recently. He's like, I have to remember that like days off or days where I'm not going in at 6 a.m. or days where I'm not staying out until 9 p.m. They're essential for me too. Not just the weekends, not just Saturday, yeah. not just Sunday, one day like doing it on a random weekday where I don't have to go at 6 a.m. I could go at nine or I could go at 10. I have to remember that that's okay. And like, even for him, who's somebody who's so fucking grounded, somebody who I never think deals with shit like that in his own mind. I'm like, your mind works like that too. Like, I didn't know. I love when men say that their minds work like that too. I'm like, why? Like, just, you should have told me that before. Like, we'll get in fights and he'll be like, did you ever think it's maybe X, Y, Z? And I'm like, well, you never told me it was X, Y, Z. So how would I fucking know? You just have to be back to our conversation about communication. But to add to what you were saying there, I think too, we so often confuse free time with availability. And there needs to be boundaries there that just because there's not something on your calendar for that hour does not mean you're available. That's why I love, it's in all of our contracts, what my personal working hours are typically. like. And outside of those hours, I don't need to respond. Now, sometimes do I? Yes, but do I have to? Absolutely not. I am not contractually obligated to operate outside of those times. And even though I might be, what did I say, available? Yes, that doesn't mean I need to be accessible to you. I'll put it that way. 100%, I totally agree. Oh my God, okay. This has to be one of my favorite episodes ever. This was so refreshing. I'm so glad to hear that because I was like, you know, I've been toying around with this like new format of the podcast and I've only done it in person where I'm like a lot more relaxed. I'm not like prepping questions and I'm not like, I mean, it's always pretty fucking relaxed, but usually I prep a few questions for the guests. And today I was like, I'm going to try the same in-person format that I tried last time. That was like, let's just sit down and talk and let's just chat and I'm not going to prep anything for you. And let's just talk about what's really going on in your life. And this is the first time I brought it to a virtual. And so I feel like it went so good. And I feel like it's so happy to be the guinea pig. And I feel like, you know, honestly, if there was anybody that you could pick to do that with, it's probably me because you're never going to get any other version of me than me. And I don't listen to podcasts. Fun fact about me. I never listen to any podcast that I'm on. I don't ever listen to podcasts. I don't listen to my own podcast. I'm just like not a podcast girly, but I love coming on them. But 
yeah, I always feel like I'm saying the same thing. And of course you're reaching different audiences by being on other people's podcasts, but like there's gotta be some overlap and you don't want to sit here and listen to me tell the same story 12 times. But I think also this format really humanizes all of us. It's so easy to forget that there's a real person on the other side of the screen. And so I'm so appreciative to have had the opportunity to have a conversation like this and just be me and not be Emma, the CEO of Right Hand Glam. Like I felt like this was just Emma being Emma. Yeah. I love that. I love that you said that. And I think it is really like, you know, we get bogged down by the, by the shit, you know, the SEO, the fucking numbers and all that stuff. And when you're building a podcast, you're like, oh, I want it to apply and I want people to be like inspired and I want this. But then you think of like, I don't listen to podcasts either. I definitely don't listen to fucking business podcasts or podcasts about founders. I don't, I would never like, I just don't give a fuck. So like, (laughs) I don't give a fuck either. (laughs) I'm like, why am I, then why am I structuring my podcast like that? Something that I don't even listen to. I would much rather sit down and listen to somebody just be themselves and honest. That's the type of podcast I would listen to. So yeah, I feel like we get bogged down with like wanting to make it a certain thing, just like we were talking about earlier. And it doesn't have to be that thing. It can just be really relaxed. So I'm glad I could use you as my guinea pig. <laughs> Anytime. I'm, I'd, I would come on and do this four more times because this was such a great way. This is the end of my day. So this was such a great yes. way to cap my day and, and kind of ground me back into my life as I leave my office behind to just go be me. And it was a very lovely transition. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Switching back to business, tell us what you're offering right now and I'll link Yes. So my big thing right now is really just spreading the Engagement Academy far and wide. I've been connecting with more and more women who are like, I want the fuck out of what I'm doing. Um, not so surprisingly, a lot of teachers actually have been like, I, I this is sucking the life out of me. I need to learn more about this lifestyle that you have. And I just, I come from a family of teachers, ironically, and I've always loved teaching. I could never be a teacher, but the Engagement Academy is like the crown jewel of Right Hand Glam. It's the thing I'm most proud of. It is a five-week self-paced course where I'm, I'm a sucker for alliteration, where you will learn the tools, tech, and tenacity to add engagement to your product suite or offer it as your entire business um, using the same system strategies and SOPs that we use at Right Hand Glam every day. So it is a complete pullback of the curtain where you see exactly what we do for our clients every single day. There is a massive community of over 130 women who have gone through the program or are going through the program. So you are not just buying a program and left to your own devices. You have me and this entire community of alumni who are there to support. I see people hiring each other all the time, referring clients to each other really just getting into the nitty gritty of it all and asking questions in a space where they feel safe. I always say that I don't think it's our decision to decide whether a space is safe for other people. It's their decision to decide that. And I have gotten that feedback and people say it's their favorite part of it all. I think too often, you know, it's been really the year of the course and that's great, but 
we need to provide support for our people. You know, there's always going to be questions. And so that's like my favorite part of it, that they can always have access to this community where they can keep learning and keep growing, not just with and from me, but with and from each other. So the Engagement Academy is a big one right now. Of course, we have our monthly retainer done for you engagement services. And then also um, newer to our product suite, our VIP Slay, because I can't call it a VIP day. I need to have a fun name for it, where we set up an entire engagement strategy for you as well as all of your systems and SOPs in one day. So we are building out your entire backend for you in ClickUp. We are coming up with a customized strategy. We are doing all of the deep dives into your business, taking a 30,000 foot view, doing what I call idiot proofing your product suite. So you get less stupid questions because we ask them, we get them, we know what they look like. And so it's either there for you to use for yourself or hand off to a potential hire. And I don't take any offense if you're going to hire someone that's not me, but you want my brain, you want to use my strategies. That's totally cool. I'm very happy to share that. So yeah, recap the Engagement Academy. If you're looking to dive into offering engagement, the VIP Slay, if you are looking to have a more done with you approach to your engagement or our monthly retainer services, if you're looking for a DIY or no, not DIY, God, DFY, done for you approach to engagement. There's too many fucking acronyms in this industry. God. Okay. I'm going to have everything for Emma linked down below for you guys. So all the products that she mentioned, but also I'm going to have her Instagram linked for you guys down below. So you guys can follow her, engage with her. And that way you guys have access to anything that she posts. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Thanks for, like I said, just being open, honest, and sharing about your personal stuff. I think it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. I really appreciate you. And I hope people liked this new format. And I hope you run with it because we need more of this in the business space of just that unfiltered conversation of the actual human fucking being behind it all. Hell yeah. Love it. Okay. I love you guys so much. I will see you guys next week. 